Hello, welcome to Greenbelt Church. We're so glad that you could join with us today. My name is Ron, and I serve with the elders team. In 2020, I jumped on a bike for the first time in 38 years. While I was kind of wobbly starting off, but I didn't give up. And this spring, I bought a mountain bike, which I ride around the subdivisions on nearby. If I was to do that more regularly, Perhaps we could call it a healthy habit, which just happens to be the title of our sermon series this month, Healthy Habits. Last week, Jasmine was talking about living in balance, and this week we're going to continue with a message entitled, Don't Give Up, and it's based on uh, chapter three of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi where he's encouraging the followers of Jesus to develop and to practice some healthy habits and also to not give up. Paul also gives us a good part of his life story in this section, and his life is a great model of our purpose today, which is to forget the past, to stand on the present, and to strain forward toward the future. One of the accessories that I uh, installed on this mountain bike was a rear view mirror. It's about this big and it sits right about here on a high mount uh, relative to my field of vision. But that mirror, I think, provides a great illustration of the relative size of view that Paul is advocating that we use to look toward the rear, look back in our life relative to our forward field of vision, which in, in this case is just my peripheral vision if I don't move my head, that, that relative difference. So let's see what Paul wants to forget. Jumping in at verse 3 of chapter 3. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Have you ever felt like Paul just wish that a part or maybe even all of your life, it's just a waste? 
that you wish, wish it had never happened. Paul wants to erase the part of his life before he knew Jesus. When he was known by his birth name of Saul, and when he was relying on his, uh, so his racial and his religious status to earn him favor with God. And in addition to that, he was also trying to outshine everybody else. He was a member of the group of religious leaders uh, called Pharisees who diligently studied the Jewish law. And that included what we call our Old Testament. That was inspired by God. The first three quarters of our Bible, plus a bunch of man-made traditions developed over the centuries, uh, adding up to over 600 rules and regulations. The Pharisees also tried to teach the laws to the rest of the population and to enforce them. So as a group, they were respected, but not necessarily liked. Beyond that, Paul was an up-and-coming young Pharisee, so much so that the religious leaders gave him the authority to arrest people who followed Jesus, to throw them in prison, and to force them either to deny their faith in Christ or possibly to be killed. Can you imagine having that choice? I've never had it yet. What relevance does Saul's life before he knew Jesus have for you or for me? Imagine trying to compare your life to Saul's. You know, unlike Saul, I have no Jewish ancestors in my biological family, at least none that I've heard of. Also, unlike Saul, during my latter teenage years, I had not studied the Bible, not even the Old Testament portion that he had. In fact, I had no concept of a spiritual dimension at all. So obviously I did not feel accountable to a God I did not believe in uh, for the way I lived my life. And I had no uh, follow-on expectations of any uh, reward or punishment in the future. Perhaps like Saul, I was more focused on success than on goodness. And we're not going to take the time to try and define either of those terms today. I was in a hurry, in a hurry to graduate from my engineering course, in a hurry to get a good job and make lots of money and have a lovely wife and a home and, and all the rest of that. But there was an underlying vague desire to be a good person, you know, to be somehow part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Like Saul, I was congratulating myself that I was doing better than some other people. I didn't rob any banks. I didn't steal any cars. And also, like Saul, I was calculating that my good deeds would outweigh my bad ones. What about you? How are your calculations going today? I felt I was okay, 
you know, I kept up with my engineering studies. I had uh, jobs most summers. I had a few part-time jobs during academic sem- semesters. I was okay. But okay for what? What was I aiming for? And who are you or I trying to impress anyway? Do we just want a few, just earn a few attaboys from our family or friends or the people that we hang out with or our work colleagues like I was? Or are we aiming higher like Saul was to behave good enough that God would give us a life of health and wealth? Or perhaps even higher that somehow we would be good enough that God would somehow owe me a free pass to heaven. And how presumptuous is that? I can't even take the next breath of oxygen if God didn't make it. Thank you, Lord. Unlike Saul, I had not arrested Uh, other people who had different faith beliefs than I did. But I certainly had ridiculed them. By the time I was 20 years old, God was rescuing me from myself. He was showing me that Saul was at least partly right. There is a God You know, those could be the four most significant words in the universe, expressed in English. And Ron was totally wrong. And this God is holy. He cannot ignore sin. It must be punished. And Ron's criteria of good and bad was just pathetic. Way too simplistic. Way too low. Imagine, God is interested in our thoughts, our thought life, and our emotions. Yours and mine, and he knows it. Are each one of us not all self-centered? Am I the only one? Do you and I not fall far short of the glory of a perfect God? Israel was given a system of periodic animal sacrifices uh, to provide temporary coverings for human wrongs. And Saul understood all that. What Saul did not yet understand at that point in his life was that God is also love. God sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life as a boy and as a man on this planet for about 30 years and then to die the perfect sacrifice in six horrific hours once and for all to pay for the sins of every person who turns from our own agendas toward God. Perhaps you identify with the fast-track young Pharisee. You're at the top of your game in your uh, career or profession, or you can see it coming. 
or you are the center person in in your family of relations or the or the people that you hang out with or the people that who are important to you or perhaps you relate to the uh, oh so normal oh so average student atheist who is also unhappy by the way or you just feel that god is far away if like paul you realize that you can never be good enough to put a perfect God into your debt. Or like the student atheist, you finally get it through your thick skull that God's the center of the universe, not me or you. Or you're just tired of feeling separated from God's love. Don't give up. Please pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for for volunteering to die on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you are God. Please forgive me for trying to do things my way. Please come into my life and make me new. If you pray that prayer, please let us know. There's a a pop-up you can click in the chat. And then another pop-up comes up which has a, uh, a little box for your name and your email address. We would love to connect with you and to send you some free resources. Or if you prayed that prayer in our uh, Sunday in-person gathering, then please find me or a friend and tell them about it. We would love to rejoice with you. Continuing with our purpose uh, today, Not only is Paul suggesting that we forget our past without Jesus, but that we stand firm on the present. Jumping back into verse 8b. Excuse me. I got lost here, but we're going to get back on track here. I consider them garbage. That's everything connected with his life before he uh, found Christ. That I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith Now Paul is standing firm on the righteousness that comes from God by faith. By faith in what? In what Jesus has done. For Paul and for anyone else who's willing to accept it. So is that the end of the story? Is Paul now just marking time, waiting to peacefully float off into heaven at the end of his life? Verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul 
Paul wants more. More of what? Paul wants to know Jesus more. And this word know is not just intellectual uh, information. It's an experiential verb. Paul wants to experience more of Jesus. And he mentions two ways that he wants to do that. One, he wants to share in Jesus' sufferings. Now, Paul is not you know, into, into pain or being masochistic or something here, but he's willing to suffer to share the good news of what Jesus has done with other people so they can be reconciled to God. You know, the truths like that we've been reading in chapter 3 and others like them are what prompt Greenbelt's mission statement to lead people in knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. As we get to know Jesus and as we live for him, we are experiencing him, to use Paul's word. And as we share Jesus, we get to experience more of Jesus as the sharer. Even if we do not, most of us, share in Jesus' suffering in 2021 in Canada. So what healthy habits can you or I do to help us to know and live for Jesus? Well, we can talk to God often, and not just to give him the daily to-do list, but to thank him. Thank him for everyday things that we so easily take for granted. How about that breath of oxygen? We can read our Bible regularly. And I think for the purpose of talking about healthy habits, regularly probably means more than once a month. We can spend time with other people who follow Jesus. Worshipping together on a Sunday morning, for example, or on Zoom with other people, or getting together with a smaller group of of followers of Jesus, such as in the Greenbelt Life Group, so we get to know each other more, we can encourage each other uh, through the ups and downs of this life. What healthy habits can you or I do or develop that will help us to know Jesus more as we help others find Jesus? I'm not good at this, but I think we need to intentionally uh, have the time and the energy to interact with other people in such a way that we build relationships that will allow them to ask us about our life. Paul also wants to experience more of Jesus in a second way, by following Jesus through death into the new resurrected body. Now, Paul is not suicidal, but he does realize that death is the door that leads to uh, resurrection with the new body. You know, we, when we turn our life over to Jesus or surrender our life or we accept Jesus' sacrifice for our sins and start living for God instead of just for me, my, mine, we experience a spiritual birth or a spiritual rebirth, or I would suggest a spiritual resurrection. And you know, these two resurrections 
the spiritual and the physical are the perfect example, maybe even the core of the uh, now but not yet paradox of following Jesus in the kingdom. Now we are spiritually resurrected, not yet we are physically resurrected. Paul continues, verse 12, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is expressing, I think, a holy dissatisfaction. You know, we still sin. We still face problems. Um, we're certainly not perfect. You know, we're a work in progress. Just think of the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. I don't do that all the time. Sometimes I don't even think I want to do that. You ever wonder how God puts up with us? But don't give up. Coming back to our cycling analogy just for a moment. You know, we need to keep moving forward on a two-wheel vehicle like a bicycle in order to maintain our balance. Again, that living in balance that Jasmine was talking about last week. But before we ride on, let's just look at verse 14 again here for a moment. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is Paul's goal? His goal is what we've been calling our purpose today. To forget our past before we knew Jesus. To stand firm on what Jesus has done in the now as we follow Jesus. And to strain forward to know Jesus more as we share him with others. And what is the prize? And why is God calling Paul heavenward in this verse? Well, that brings us to our big idea. It took a while to get there, but we're here. God is the prize, not what we get from God. Does that surprise you even a little bit? It surprised me. Maybe not the abstract idea when I thought about it a bit, but just when you say it that way. Everything else we have. Even the stuff we earn, God has given us those abilities, that intellect, that, that strength, that health, whatever, that, that ambition even. You know, our spouse, our children, our families, our careers, our professions, our house, our uh, cars, our boats, our sports, our leisure, our food, our clothes, all of it. Even that resurrected body that Paul's talking about in the not yet, 
It's all from God. All of that stuff is just gift wrappings. The ribbons and the wrapping paper are going nowhere if the ultimate gift, the prize of a personal relationship with God, is not inside the box. As Paul would say, let's press on. Verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Verse 16. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. In verse 15, Paul is saying, if we've been following Jesus Jesus for a while, we should be mature enough to uh, realize that what he's saying in the preceding verses is true. We're not there yet. We're a work in progress. We're not perfect. But meanwhile, in verse 16, he's saying that we should practice the truth that we already know. I think I've mentioned before that uh, most of my Bible reading takes place at breakfast time on the far side of my cereal bowl. And I enjoy that. And I think we could call that a healthy habit. However, it has occurred to me that as I read more and hopefully God's Spirit reveals more truth to me, that I could develop a gap between what I know or what I've learned and what I'm willing to put into practice. Please do not hit the chat button or an email to Pastor Kevin or one of the other elders and say, Ron says we shouldn't read the Bible because we might learn something we're not willing to put into practice. No, no, and no. That personal thought, which I'm sharing with you, would not be a reason for Ron to read less. It would be a reason for Ron to pray more that God would make him willing and able to put into practice uh, what he's what he's learned. Okay, let's wrap this up. Verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, remember we said at the first that Paul's life is a perfect model for our purpose today. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will, excuse me, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body, Verse 4, chapter 1, and that will finish it. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. You know, our citizenship defines a set of responsibilities and a set of privileges. 
And in this case, our citizenship defines who we are and whose we are. And again, another illustration, another angle of looking at the now but not yet a paradox of following Jesus in the, in the kingdom of God. Now we are citizens of heaven, not yet we live there. But don't give up. Forget the past, your life before Jesus. Stand firm as we follow Jesus and strain forward to know Jesus more as we help others find him. And remember our big idea, God is the prize, not all the great stuff that he gives us. <laughs>